Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. Oh boy, friends, have I got a show for you today. I am so excited about the interview I had with Anne Margolis. Now, I'm sure a number of you have heard of Anne because she has quite a resume. She's a licensed certified nurse midwife practicing in New York. She is a femme teacher, a certified clarity breathwork practitioner, a yoga teacher and practitioner. She's helped thousands of families in her 20 plus year midwifery practice and has personally ushered the births of over 1,000 healthy babies into the world. She's also guided countless human beings to heal from emotional pain, inner stress, and trauma and give them strength and power to live fully and vibrantly. And she has her own online childbirth course called Love Your Birth. She does online and in-person midwifery for pregnancy and postpartum support consultations and has a birth professional mentoring program. So if you are a doula or a midwife, you can do her mentoring program. Like I said, she does Clarity Breathwork as well. And she is a two times number one national and international best-selling author. One of them is called Natural Birth Secrets, an insider's guide, how to give birth holistically, healthfully, and safely, and love the experience. And her other book is Trauma Release Formula, the revolutionary step-by-step program for eliminating effects of childhood trauma, emotional pain, and crippling inner stress to living in joy without drugs or therapy. I am really looking forward to having Anne back on the podcast. I want to go ahead and schedule it pretty soon. With Anne's incredible resume and her ability to work with trauma, I feel that it would be incredible to have her back to discuss childbirth-related trauma because we know that although birth goes well for most women, naturally there are times when it just doesn't. And those women's stories are just as important and healing from childbirth trauma is incredibly important. So I really look forward to having her back on the show. Now, before we dive into the podcast, I do want to remind all of you that if you are enjoying this show, please head on over to iTunes and give it a rating and a review. If you review, let me tell you, my pregnant emotional heart will be so happy and I will read every single one of them. It also helps just get this show on the map and get it out to other listeners. I really am hoping to grow and expand this community. And also in relation to growing this community, you can follow me on social media. I'm specifically focusing on Instagram right now. My Instagram name is Happy Home Birth Podcast. So go ahead and give that a follow and you can look at all of the nice, pretty home birth pictures. And finally, if you are finding this show to be of use, then I would love for you to consider giving any amount of a donation. I have a Patreon account link and whatever you can give is so helpful in getting this show out far and wide and I am so grateful for any support that you're willing to give. So for now, just sit back, relax, and enjoy the interview. And thank you so much for coming on Happy Home Birth. I'm so excited to have you. Oh, excited to be here. So Anne, I have heard about your personal experience, your personal birth experiences, and 
how you started off in the hospital and then later on moved to home births, I would love for my listeners to get to hear your experience and, and how that has affected you as a midwife. Mm. Okay. Uh, where to start? So, so, um, yeah, when I, when I was back in, um, in college, right. When I, when I decided I wanted to be a nurse, um, this was in, a long time ago, um, when I did my maternity, you know, my obstetric rotation, I knew right away that I wanted to go into, um, uh, obstetrics, but I had never heard of a midwife at that point, you know? Uh, and then my first job out of nursing school, we had to do, um, a year of medicine, surgery, um, med surge, they call it so that, uh, in order to get into a maternity unit. So I did that. And then I worked for four years in a, in, in my local, um, in a local obstetric unit as a maternity nurse. And it was actually there that I developed fear of birth. Um, birth on the unit where I worked, um, I, uh, my hands were tied as a nurse, but, but I would say that, um, it was everything like birth was, it was anyone that walked in, you know, when they're healthy, just, you know, to have a baby, they were given sort of this routine, uh, cascade of interventions that usually led them down a a track. And, and I would say as a nurse, I had to often rescue a lot of the problems caused by this, right. Right. Uh, you know, women were put on their back and attached to a monitor and a continuous monitor and that you said they couldn't move and then they had, they weren't allowed to eat and they were put on an IV and, and who can labor that way. Right. Mm -hmm. So then they needed Pitocin or they needed, you know, medication to make things stronger. And, and, and then they needed pain medication because they couldn't cope with it. You know, so it just, it was one thing after the next. And, and what happened was I was seeing more cesareans. I was attending, you know, as a nurse, more cesareans than I'd ever imagined that I would. I wasn't really seeing normal birth. Um, birth was a, a disaster waiting to happen. That was the atmosphere on my unit. It was a potential lawsuit. And it's get them in, get them out. You know, and I, it, there was no humanity. There was no beauty. It was just really protect yourself from, from litigation. And there really wasn't a concern so much for each emotional you know, each woman and baby and their experience of birth. It was, you know, uh, as long as everybody's breathing with a heartbeat and no obvious brain damage. But, you know, I wasn't I wasn't seeing great outcomes. I, I think the worst catastrophes I ever saw was was working as um, an obstetric nurse. Uh, a lot of babies ended up in the NICU, you know, in neonatal intensive care. And, um, you know, sometimes moms and babies didn't make it or, or had a serious damage, you know, so, and I'm, I have a sensitive heart and, you know, I, that's, I developed, I had fear, you know, and of course, when, when I was, um, pregnant with my first baby, I didn't know any better at that time. Um, I, I was given, you know, I had a baby on the unit where I worked. So, um, but I was going in there, not trusting myself, not trusting birth and certainly not trusting the hospital and the staff because I 
knew what was going on, but like, I just didn't know I had any other options. I, w- I was really young, you know? And, um, of course I was given the Royal treatment because I, I'm a nurse on the unit and everyone made such a big deal. And I was with the top doctor and, but I was given, even if it was the Royal treatment, like I said before, it was the standard treatment. So that meant that all these interventions that seemed innocuous, I was given, right? So I I was walking in, I really was set up to fail, you know, walking in there with fear and then told not to eat or drink and have an IV and then the continuous monitor and then the doctor coming in every hour. You know, I was on this, this, this uh, clock of having to dilate a certain, you know, a centimeter an hour. And the doctor kept coming in, sticking his hands up me without even saying anything, walked out told my colleague out of my room, you know, the nurse who was taking care of me, (laughs) she's still four, she's still four. And um, at at one point he said, just give her pit. So in she comes and she's putting the pitocin in my IV. I see which I I said, hello, I don't want that. She says, oh, but her her response was very well-meaning. She said, oh, honey, you don't want a cesarean, do you? And, and so no, you know, like I, I was feared into it. I didn't want a cesarean. That was actually my biggest fear because I, um, I was afraid of being put at, you know, in, into that, you know, major abdominal surgery. I, I'm a dancer and I'm very athletic. And I was, I also didn't see great, ex, um, some of the, you know, bad outcomes I saw were during, uh, the operating uh, in the operating room. And, um, but you know, here I was in that vulnerable situation. So I'm feared into it. And then, um, of course, then my coping went out the window and then I needed an epidural and, um, the doctor I heard outside said, just give her an epidural. And, 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 and then all this started to happen, uh, this, this downward slippery slope um, baby's heart rate went down, dropped to a very dangerous low level, low rate. And I knew what that was. And I saw the panic in everybody's eyes and they, and they called a stat cesarean and they whisked me into uh, the emergency, uh, the operating room. And I knew they had 10 minutes to get my baby out basically, you know, pretty much. And I waited in the OR, um, prepped and ready to be operated on watching the clock. I was by myself. And at this point, nobody was monitoring my baby. And we were waiting for the assistant surgeon who never came. So, so we were, uh, I was looking at the clock, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, a half an hour, 45 minutes. And then by the time an hour, you know, like I had gone in my, in my being, in my mind and in my, in my body, uh, to, to, from total fear that I'm going to have a a damaged baby to the resignation that she was damaged or, or, uh, to she's dead. I mean, I, I didn't have, there was nothing, there was no other possibility that entered my brain at that time. Cause I knew how serious it was. Um, well, what happened was the medication miraculously took over my body and, um, I started pushing in the cesarean room, in the operating room and I called out for help and the doctor comes in and he's now he's panicked because he doesn't know, you know, he's, he was ready for the cesarean. The, the assistant surgeon isn't here. It's been over an hour. 
so he he sees the baby, you know, is 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 uh, close to coming, and he's he cuts a big episiotomy. He screams, "Get me a vacuum!" And he vacuumed her out. Now. I did not want to see her because I I was I didn't feel I was able to cope with seeing a dead my, my baby right I, I I just I was now I know what I had I had birth trauma right but but I I, I know that I didn't know that then you know I was traumatized right and they said um, she's fine look at your baby and I I I was in another zone I had I had left my body I, I was like I could I couldn't look at her. And they, but she was fine. She was like totally looking around and, and had no, um, they didn't even need to resuscitate. And so like knowing now what I know, you know, first of all, you know, continuous electronic fetal monitoring, a lot of times causes the, you know, it's three to five times, uh, increase in cesarean and, and false diagnosis of fetal distress is one of the, is one of them when, you know, detecting or, you know, making everyone think the baby's in distress when they're fine. But, you know, so they're, they're all like, you know, you, ha- I was not fine. And they said, you have a healthy baby and nobody cared about, you know, what that experience was like for me. So, but it was, so I, you know, I was, um, I was really, I had birth trauma, PTSD following, um, is, is, you know, the post-traumatic stress disorder that symptoms, uh, that, that, um, that was, uh, coined when, you know, uh, when people started to research, you know, what's happening to our soldiers who are exposed to severe, you know, uh, situations on the battlefield. And they're coming home with all these symptoms of nightmares and, and anxiety and, you know, they can't sleep and, and, and all sorts of, um, uh, you know, panic and, you know, all sorts of symptoms that totally disrupt their everyday, um, life and being able to participate in with life and relationships and everything like that. So, so, I didn't know that, but I had, <laughs> I had all the symptoms of PTSD. And then and you had to take care of a child. Yeah, I take care of a child. Yeah, I couldn't even talk about birth. I, I didn't, I couldn't look at a pregnant woman. I couldn't, I couldn't, um, I was very hypervigilant. Like I thought something was going to happen to her, but looking at her or talking about the birth reminded me of what happened and I would get flashbacks, like, like really invasive thinking like they just come into my thoughts that scene of being in the operating room and it was just yeah so but everyone's like what's the you know what's the matter with you you have a healthy baby like get over it you know like they nobody understood right and right. and I certainly didn't understand but I um it took me a long time to be able you know just like to be able to go back into work you know to to face that scene and you know I was and would you, I told my husband never again, I'm not having any more babies. And of course I'm pregnant again, two, two years later. Mm. And, um, at least I, you know, in those days I thought I'll switch doctors. <laughs> it's the same experience, <laughs> very similar kind of experience. And, and I, and, and, and this is, you know, I'm, I'm as a nurse now, you know, also, um, like I said before, my hands were tied when I was trying to help other people with the similar situation and I was talking my frustrations to a friend um, of mine, and she had said, why don't you just be a midwife? And literally, I said, what's a midwife? This was um, back in the 80s, 
Uh, we didn't have internet then. And, uh, but she, you know, when she was talking to me about what a midwife is, I'm like, wow, that's cool. You know, and I went to the library and I researched everything I could and I'm like this, yeah, this is what I want to do. I applied to midwifery school and that began my journey coming home. Right. So it was a whole different paradigm, as you know, Mm-hmm. Um, go, so going to midwifery school, it was like, so all the catastrophes that I saw as a, as a, as a nurse in the hospital were, became more the exception than the norm. And I was seeing beautiful birth. I was seeing, you know, family centered, compassionate, individualized, sensitive care. I was seeing that the responsibility and the empowerment was given back to the woman and that, you know, the, this sort of whole different paradigm of trusting the process and we're there just in case, we're, you know, we're there as a lifeguard to hold that space of non-intervention when this brilliant process is working and let it work, let it, let it go. And, you know, when you meddle in, 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 in birth, when it's going well, it's harmful, you know, and, and then learning about how statistics in other countries, you know, why, why the United States ranks the bottom as compared to other developed countries around the world in terms of mother-baby outcome related to, um, you know, our our maternal mortality rates are the highest of all developed countries in the world. And uh, our neonatal, you know, newborn mortality and morbidity, as well as maternal morbidity, you know, severe complications related to birth. Why are our statistics so horrible where other countries in the world, um, developed countries, and even ones that are less affluent, have much better outcomes? So you've heard of Dr. Marsden Wagner, yes? Yes. Yeah. So, so he's, he's that famous, I'll tell your listeners, you know, the perinatologist who was the former director of the Maternal Child Health uh, Division of the World Health Organization. I mean, he's, you know, very high-risk obstetrician, very uh, big... Um, supporter of midwifery and people ask, why are you such a supporter of midwifery? And he's because I support the evidence. I support, I support the statistics. If you look at the common denominator of countries around the world that are getting way far better outcomes, mom outcomes and baby outcomes, uh, than, than we are, what's that they have one thing in common is that all the healthy women, the healthy population is served by midwives, and that's their expertise. And the, and we and working together in, with, you know, in conjunction with or collaborating with in the team, with obstetricians who are really there for the high risk situations, for when there is complications and disease, which is there, uh, that they go to their surgeons, you know, and they their their that is their expertise is to um, diagnose and treat serious life threatening complications medically or surgically. And so when, when you, when you have them both working together, each serving the populations that they're, um, specifically, uh, have expertise with, then we're serving the entire population of best serving the the entire population of uh, mothers having babies and we're getting better outcomes. But when you apply that high risk care, to the normal healthy population, which constitutes the vast majority, that's what's happening in the United States, and that's why we're having such horrible outcomes. And 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 you know, in the United States, birth trauma is uh, like over a third of 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 women describe their birth in this country as traumatic. So if you can um, if you consider that four million people a year 
are having babies in the United States, a third, that's a huge number, right? Yeah, that's so that's scary. That's scary. Yeah. So so then so that so the, I guess the icing on the cake was that um you know, I believed in this and I was so excited about it. But when I was pregnant with my third in midwifery school and we, you know, we had great clinical, like I did out of hospital um, clinical as well as in hospital clinical. Um, and um, when I said to, I said to my midwife, um, I really believe in this. Like I, I'm, I'm in it a hundred percent. Right. Like, but now I'm the one pregnant. So I, I, I have to, I was really, I had the past trauma from the other two births and, and, you know, for it, I need it to work for me. I need to see that, that I, you know, that, that it's going to be different and I need to experience it myself in order for me to authentically stand behind it. Right. And she says, Oh, it's going to be so different. You're going to see, it's going to be so healing. I had a lot of fear, you know, and the old trauma came back and it's, it was in my body. And anyway, but it was a beautiful, um, completely different birth experience that I had with my last two babies. And that really convinced me, wow, like, (laughs) you know, I'm in, I'm all in. Like if I can do this, anyone can do this, you know, that's incredible. Yeah. So, so, so in terms of how I got to home birth, um, I, I had a great job. Uh, my first position out of the hospital, uh, I'm sorry, out of midwifery school was in a, a wonderfully supportive obstetrician midwife group. So we had six midwives and two obstetricians and they really, it was, it was a doctor midwife team. And it really embodied sort of what Marsden Wagner, Dr. Marsden Wagner, you know, you know, his his um, his ideal in terms of, you know, getting the best outcomes, because the obstetricians that were there didn't want to deal with healthy. They just were there for when a cesarean was needed or somebody had a seizure disorder or, you know, on insulin or had high, you know, preeclampsia or high blood pressure. So. Um, we did vaginal breaches. We did, you know, twins vaginally and, and they really let us have free reign to, um, not just midwife the healthy population, but even when there was a situation that was high risk, let's say a woman was on an insulin drip and, or, or, you know, had high blood pressure and needed to be more medically managed, they could still have a midwifery you know, benefit from the midwifery care of with woman and, 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 you know, uh, how midwives attend women in labor. Right. So they still had as, 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 as humane and compassionate and as a empowered, you know, sensitive, you know, birth as, as, as possible given their situation. So, um, I did that for a while and I was glad I did because I got experience. Um, I did see, I got more confidence in dealing with emergencies because emergencies do happen. And when, you know, in the home setting, it's, it's not like I can say I need help in room three, mm-hmm. you know, we, we really need to know how to, how to handle, uh, when, you know, emergencies. And I felt like I was happy from my nursing background and from my hospital birth background so that, um, you know, so I, I could, I could, you know, with confidence, uh, start my home birth practice, which I, 
which I started because um, I felt, even though we were in a very supportive environment, it was a two-hour commute for me. <laughs> I was, I, um, I, the, the local hospitals were not as as uh, as supportive uh, of midwifery care and of of natural birth, and um, so it was worth it for me to commute two hours there. Um, um, but then, you know, when my I had my fourth baby, and it was like. All right. You know, so a, a colleague and I started the home birth practice because I felt like even though we were in the hospital, um, I felt like at home it could even be better. Like it, there were still some things that went on in the hospital that I I feel um, uh, my hands were still kind of tied as a midwife you know, it's, it's a hospital and, you know, people who are having babies aren't sick. And, um, a lot of women make informed decisions that they want to give birth at home. So I felt like, why not create a practice where they could, you know, we really didn't have a lot of home birth, um, midwives in our neighborhood. And in those days, this was back in 1997, we didn't have, um, I remember we, we would put up some like, um, flyers in some health food stores and, uh, there wasn't a like prenatal yoga or places like that, you know, but they had, there was some childbirth educators that we spoke out as to, and, but like within a year we were booked solid. And, uh, she, she at that time was a doula, then she became a nurse and then she became a midwife. And, you know, we, we've been, we've had a very thriving practice since, you know, pretty much a year after we started. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You were obviously filling a need for that to have booked up so quickly. Yeah. And, and, and thankfully now there's other home birth midwives and, you know, and, and, and you'd think there'd be more, I mean, this is New York, but maybe in the city there was more. Um, but unfortunately it, it, we need to have the home birth option available in all localities. In some localities, it's really, it's really tough. You know, just just from being on social media, I'm I'm so passionate about improving birth and and improving mom's experience of of birth and um, and baby and the family. So um, my daughter had said to me a couple of years, maybe about four years ago a little over four years ago, she said, you should be on like Instagram. And I'm like, well, I, cause I'm not so techie and I'm not interested in social media at all. And, um, you know, the, the less I'm on the computer, the better. And, you know, I wasn't raised that way. I'm, I just like interacting with people and, you know, <laughs> I, one-on-one or even in a group setting, but I don't know, just I, the, the computer is just not my thing. And, uh, so, but she's like, oh, you get the most awesome pictures from your families and, you know, you're so passionate and that's, that's where all, you know, you like to inspire and educate and that's where like the newer generation is. And she kind of gave me the one Oh one on it. So I started posting just kind of as a, as an extra hobby, but it became crazy. Like it, it, the the following, I mean, it's now up to like well, well over 90 something thousand on social media, like combining all the accounts so I'm hearing from people all over the world and it just, um, it, it, yeah, it, 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 like I, I was telling you before we went on the air that, um, yeah, I mean, just a lot of podcast interviews, people contacting me from all over the world with questions and, and issues 
And unfortunately, I'm hearing my birth story that happened to me. I'm hearing that from so many women. It's still going on today. Oh, yes. That's what I was thinking as you were telling it. You know, if I've yeah. heard your story once, I've heard it a thousand times. Yeah. Yeah. Still but, going on today that people are reaching out and saying, I had this hor- horrific experience the first time. How can I have a better experience the next time? Or do you travel? Uh, I, 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 how do I, or, or they'll, or they'll say, you know, I don't, I can't afford, I don't have, there's no home birth midwives in my area. There's not a birth center. I have to have a birth in the hospital for insurance or whatever reasons. How can I have like the best experience, you know, in that environment, you know, so it kind of burst all these online services of, you know, like my course of how to have a home birth like experience an empowered, sensual, primal, beautiful, family centered, however, you know, in, you know, cultural, whatever, culturally sensitive, like the birth you want, the birth of your dreams, how to have that and have it be safe and, you know, safeguarded in a hospital situation or in a home or, you know, so I'm hearing from people all over the world about how to do that. So that's why, you know, one of the reasons I created the course and birthed sort of the online consulting so that I can help in the best way I can, you know, people in all areas that don't have this. I agree. And I think that, you know, community for home birth mothers is just so vital, so important because so many people don't realize that it's even an option still, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's one thing I wanted to, to ask you about. One thing that I've noticed when I've told people, you know, Oh, I, I had a home birth and I, I work with a midwife. They think, that's so dangerous. You're putting mm-hmm. your child at risk by not being in the hospital. How could you ever do that? What would you say to those people? Well, so it's, it's a good question. I, I, um, I don't uh, try to convince people where to birth, right? Because the, um, even, you know, if, if a woman is coming to me and she says to me, um, you know, she wants to have a home birth. She's done all her research and this, there's solid research about the outcomes of uh, um, home birth midwifery care um, are, are as safe or even safer, right? There's really good, solid research um, that supports the safety of it. But she needs to feel safe deep in her body. And, it, you know, even subconsciously, she needs to feel safe. So if a woman comes to me and says she wants a home birth, she's done her research and that, you know, and and her partner's not on board or or her family's not on board, that's a, I deal with that differently. Right. Because I want to respect how the mom feels. And a lot of times the dads just are nervous. Right. Or, or yes. the partners are just they just need, you know, that we're, or I've had like my three main <laughs> issues that dads will or, or partners will, you know, be concerned about is how to pay for it, um, safety and what the mess. And so, <laughs> so a lot of it's like misconceptions. So pay, pay for it. You know, um, in New York, we the, the New York law um, that is that a home birth has to be covered by insurance, right? So that's, that's fantastic. A, yeah. Um, so that's, that's fantastic. So, um, but I live it on, on the border of New Jersey and Connecticut. They don't have those laws. So if, 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 if their insurance is from another state or more federal, 
it's not, you know, may or may not cover it, you know, but, but, um, it actually finances is not their main concern. It's, it's, it's usually, they just want to know that it's safe. Cause they, just like what you said, they, they feel they, the, the, I'm talking about the, the partners who, who are concerned about safety. They have this myth like that being in the hospital is safe. Right. right. So I, or, or, you know, or like, who, you know, what is a midwife, you know, so sometimes they just need to be heard. They need their questions answered. You know, what do you do if, if my, if my partner, you know, if she hemorrhages, what, what are your common emergencies? How do you deal with it? They just need to know. Right. Um, and they just need to be heard and they need to be answered. Their questions need to be answered. And they see, you know, my diplomas are on the wall. I, yeah, I have a very homey looking home office, but yeah, I am, I am, I spent two and a half hours in the first visit and an hour each subsequent visit. And they see that, you know, I am doing the same care and probably, and, and, but actually more holistic and more thorough than they were used to with their five minute visits somewhere else, right. With, with an obstetrician. So sometimes they just need to see that I'm not just a hippie waving sage. And actually they meet, I, I put them in touch with other families in my practice. I don't have hippies coming to me. I'm telling you, I mean, I love hippies. I'm just, I'm just saying like that, that's a misconception. Most of the people that are coming to me are, profe- are, are very educated it's, and from all walks of life. So yes, I could, I, of course, have homeschooling moms and, and, and farming, you know, people who are into farming, um, and living in more rural areas, but, but it's a, usually a very educated professional crowd, doctors, I have anesthesiologists, psychiatrists, nurses, midwives, I have lawyers and a counter, you know, a chiropractor, acupuncturist, like I have a very therapist, a wide range of, um, of, of professions that come to me and, um, they're making an informed decision, right? So sometimes it's just a matter of, you know, hearing them out and giving them, showing them a book, you know, telling them, I always tell them, you know, read business, uh, watch the movie business of being born. Cause I think, I think Ricky Lake did a great job in really exposing what's going on with our country's you know, newborn and maternal more, you know, more statistics we were talking about and, you know, how is it that, and, you know, and she's comparing how, you know, the safety of home birth and, and, and then I'm in this documentary orgasmic birth, which, which kind of, uh, have you seen it? I have seen it. It's been a while. Yeah, no, but it, it, it so, so it talks, it, it, it it goes more in depth, not just about the safety, but that when women and, and partners and families are supported in this sort of home birth midwifery model of care, that not only is it safer, but women and their, you know, can have um, an ecstatic experience and can absolutely love their birth despite the even if it, you know, how challenging it is. I mean, I've had people tell me they're in ecstasy with their pain. I've had people sing their babies out, dance their babies out, laugh their babies out, breathe or centrally release their babies out. So, you know, um, it, it can be deeply meaningful for the entire, you know, family and, um, yes, orgasmic, um, in you, that term can be used in many, in many ways, not just sexual, but, um, 
usually, and I give them a book or two. So that's, that's the dad, that's the partner. Um, the, I tell the, the family, um, it, especially the mom, it, this is just not a time to get in debates. You know, you really, I I encourage them to have like this fortress of positivity around them, you know, and really watch inspiring, positive birth stories. Fear is very contagious. Anxiety is very contagious. So when they start telling me they want their mom at the birth or they want their mother-in-law or their sister, you know, I always, or, or, you know, their friends and their family, everyone's telling them, you know, how could you not be in the hospital? You know, so I have, I, I really encourage them to set boundaries. Um, you know, they can, um, say like, I, I am making this decision. (laughs) I've I've put a lot of thought into it and I really, um, you know, they can in a very, you know, respectful way kind of back out of conversations when, when someone else is very stressed out or anxious and questioning their decision. Right. Um, when someone is not pregnant, uh, or not, you know, like we're having this conversation or somebody like contacts me about, you know, they're really thinking about the safe, uh, should they give birth in the hospital or the home and, and, or, 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 you know, questioning, you know, the safety of home birth, then I will, then we can have a respectful discussion and we can talk about where they can find really good information that documents the safety of, of home birth. And that talks about the concerns that are in the hospital setting. There's no, there's no, you know, everyone that comes to my practice, I have a very big informed consent that they read and sign because there's no, um, they need to take responsibility. I want them to be, have the power, them to take responsibility for their health, for their well being, for their birth, take it back. It doesn't belong to me or any healthcare provider, any any hospital setting. And so, yes, it's true. We there are no guarantees in this field. So I'm going to do my best, and and I am and I trust the process. But I am there as a lifeguard, right? I am there as a lifeguard. I'm I'm guarding number one the space, and making sure that that the that that. There is no un, uh, disturbance, and that the woman can feel safe, private, and undisturbed, and and really tap into her in, inner knowing and her primal and her and her sensual. But that being said, I'm also watching, right? If 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 if, if there is an uh, an issue that that comes up, a lot of times, you know, let's prevent this from becoming a crisis. Sometimes it can just be something simple, making sure she's drinking, making sure she's moving around, that she's eating well, um, you know, and checking baby's heartbeat. And, you know, there's, there, you know, I am assessing and preventing ish, crisis problems. But if there is an emergency, that's why I'm here. And, anyway. you know, I, I'm thinking as I hear you speak about the comfort that a midwife provides during a birthing time and how that's so related to the midwifery model of care and the type of care that a midwife provides during the prenatal period. You know, you were speaking of a a two and a half hour initial consult and then an hour prenatal. And after that, you know, that, that allows so much time to build trust and to build relationship that you don't get with an OB. Right. 
that's the relationship is huge because and it's an it's an intimate one. I mean, I, I there's so I mean, I've been doing this now since 1990. 1995, 1997, my home birth practice. So like, uh, you know, I, there's been families I'm like, feel like I'm part of the family. I mean, I, you know, the sister, the sister-in-law, the brother, the brother, uh, you, you know, all the, all the, there's one family where I think I've caught eight of their, of this woman's grandchildren oh. and she, and they all give birth in her house. She has four children and they've all given birth in her house and then the friends and, you know, it just because it's, you know, over many years, it is, it becomes a very intimate experience, but you have to, it's, it, yeah, that woman needs to be able to feel so safe and, and just trusting that she can be uninhibited. She can puke on me. She can poop on me. She can be naked. She can be intimate with her partner and, and it just, and, and, and just not, and just feel so comfortable in her space and with her birth and with me and that I need to be able to know her enough so that I can sense what she needs, what she doesn't need. And, and, you know, everybody is so individual. And then sometimes, you know, obviously we get it wrong. You know, I, that's why I tell everyone, you know, give right, let's write a birth, a birth preference, a birth plan preference, like, of, of, you know, how do you envision your birth? What helps you? What doesn't, what you like, what you don't like, you know, I'll have a whole bunch of questions aside from, you know, all the 50 different decisions they have to make on all the different interventions that could possibly be done, uh, from, you know, the whole pregnancy to birth to postpartum journey, you know, especially in case if they need, um, uh, to be transferred. They, it's important for them to have their, you know, that that part of the the piece in in writing, so that everybody, wherever they are, knows how they, you know, that 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 the the doula or the partner can advocate for her should we need to be in a different setting. But even so, like I've had people on their birth plan. Uh, obviously they don't want an episiotomy and they don't want their water broke, you know, all that, that's obvious. I'm not doing right. They, they want to, um, but, but sometimes it's very individual. Like they hate to be touched. So they want to be private and, and I'll, I'm going to honor that, but then things change. They're in labor, right. And they mm -hmm. could be in hard labor. And, you know, like, I need, or, you know, the, 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 somebody who wants to have more like a free birth with me in the background and, and they want, dad wants to catch and they only want me there just in case, you know, and sometimes they'll just change their mind and, yep. you know, in the heat of things, they want me there. Oh, it, birth it, does that to you. <laughs> birth does that to you. Or, you know, someone that wants a water birth, wants a water birth, wants a water birth, but it's not working in the water when she's in the water. Uh, for for the pushing and somehow it worked when she got out and, and was squatting by the you know um, on, with the rebozo on a uh, on a on a door you know mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. whatever works at the time but it's 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 so good to to be to get to know someone that well and yeah I mean it's like it's very late yes I am assessing of course but a lot of it is how are you doing conversation. How are you feeling? Helping them, you know, navigate this journey, this peak life experience of bringing a baby into the world, becoming parents, you know, all the different decisions that they have to make and how, you know, and really how, how do they 
how can they support, you know, have better support in the pregnancy, bringing back the village for postpartum? You know, it, it, there's so much that goes into it. Women are not just uteruses, right? <laughs> They're human beings with lives and families and, and uh, this, yeah. Holistic is, is, you know, just being, you know, knowing that a woman is a mind, body, heart, and soul. And, and, and with a family, that, and everybody else has the mind, body, heart, and soul, right? Yes. So. And you, you touched on postpartum. I'd, I'd love to, before we wrap up to hear a little bit about that, what, what do you recommend to mothers in the postpartum period? How should they transition, especially those moms who, you know, maybe this is a first time with a baby. What, what are your recommendations for that early phase? Well, okay. So I have a whole segment of my course online course that's devoted to that. And, um, what, so what the way women have the way like around the world and other cultures, especially indigenous ones, but still, Throughout history, women have been, we lived in communities or tribes, right, um, and villages. So, so when, a, all, when a woman has a baby, she's surrounded by a lot of the women in her family or, or community that make sure that she is resting and taken care of so that she doesn't have to cook, clean, do errands or childcare or her other work. Like that's being taken care of by everybody else in the community so that she can rest, recover and, 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 um, get the breastfeeding going. So what happened that like in the last, you know, uh, globalization of the, you know, the industrialization, you know, families, communities have been uh, broken apart. People are moving all over the world. So I see a lot of people who are alone, you know, and, and it could either be maybe their family lives nearby, but everybody's working and they don't know other people having home births. And, and I certainly do. I know a lot of people having home births. But um, so how can we create a situation that you're not alone? How can we? So I take a calendar and I, I say, OK, you know, because everybody wants to. Um, we, well, first, we have to make sure we have help, What you know, for her during the labor. Right. Someone that can mother her during the labor because a midwife is not a doula. Um, right. And the doula sort of fulfills that role of mothering the mother. Um, because we, you know, it used, like I said, it used to be that the woman's mother was at the birth or the mother-in-law or the aunts or this, all the wise elder women of the community who, who the woman was close with was mothering her during labor. So they're going to do that. They do that in postpartum and they still do that around the world. But in our country, you know, in the hospital, we let them go at two, two days after vaginal delivery and, you know, four days after a cesarean birth and they're left on their own. And then, you know, we have more postpartum illness, postpartum depression, that kind of stuff. So, so let's in the pregnancy, I have them prepare. So how can we mobilize, you know, who are your people that could support you? You know, so some moms will say, oh, well, my mom's coming in. My husband can take off or my partner can take off this amount of time. And he's good at, 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 uh, but he can't cook and he doesn't clean the way I do, you know? <laughs> so, <Of course. laughs> uh, right. So, but, but, so I, I work with each woman, like who is in your community? So maybe you have a church, you know, group that would, that might, you know, cook for you for a week. 
but mother-in-law can come in for a week, and so can mother who lives um, in you know across the country. Well, we don't want everyone coming at the same time. So, so like rather than everyone visiting the mom like right after she had the baby, what we really need is to spread out the help so that that woman has it set up so that someone she has meals taken care of, childcare taken care of for other the older children, you know, errands and cleaning, and and some some women might set you know for like four to six weeks at least. Right. So some women might say to me, uh, I don't really um, I'm not close with my mother. She makes me stressed out. And my mother in law doesn't talk to my my partner. You know, like not everybody has a family. Right. Or friends. So then in the pregnancy. OK, well, we got to create a village here around you. So I so then so then I I have a, a list of all these um, all the moms in my practice who have agreed to be part of this list. Um, who will support each other and other women having babies, right, in their neighborhood, right? So, so if a woman is in a certain county, I cover the, an hour radius from my office. So um, I have a whole group of people in this county who's had babies, and they know just what it's like. So they're very happy to help here, right? Yes. So I, I will send an email out to that, you know, and, and I've had people, you know, become very close with that kind of group. Also, um, you know, there's baby wearing groups, La Leche League, prenatal yoga, childbirth classes. There's other ways to meet women, like-minded women in the pregnancy so that you can create this village of people around you who are supportive of your choices. That is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And who know, you know, what it's like to be, you know, there's homeschooling mom groups and, you know, there's a, a, so this is, that's basically what I do. And some people, you know, yeah, they'll hire a cleaning service. They might order takeout or, you know, there's ways to put in the nursery. I'm sorry, the nursery, the, um, oh, the registry, uh, you know, if everyone wants to get gifts. So People, women, the, the baby does not need tons of teddy bears and 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 um, you know baby newborn outfits that they're going to grow out of, right? Mm-hmm. What what that what they really need? If somebody wants to give them something, they can hire, get a postpartum doula, or the, or you know pay for meals for that person for a week. Or I'm just, I'm just making you know making it up. There's so many or cleaning service or. Maybe um, uh, an au pair or, or a mother's helper for the other little other kids. Yes. So we just we just try to mobilize all the resources that that person has that she didn't even think about. You know, contacting the this like I had here. I had a, I had a woman recently who gave birth and her daughter was at a preschool, and um, she said, "I don't really have a community. I don't have a church. I don't. I, you know, she just didn't have a lot of. The, her family lives all over the place. No one lived close by. And um, I said, I bet <laughs> if you asked other mothers in the preschool, like, like, or if you have a friend, like, are you friendly with a mom in the preschool? She says, yes. I said, how about if you ask that woman if she would can contact other mothers in the preschool and they can make a meal train for you." Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, this woman was sent meals for three weeks. Oh, <laughs> just from the preschool moms. That's amazing. You know? Yep. And it, you know, it, 
birth is something that certainly brings mothers together. It's amazing. And, and, you know, get off the phone, get off the Facebook, like, you know, but, but it, it, yeah, it's a great way to connect, of course, on Facebook and stuff like that. But, but I, I, I think that when women just have a baby and they're, you know, they're in that, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, such a special time. But it's a vulnerable time. And it's a time where we need our community. We need to feel loved and taken care of and supported that's I, I'm amazed how women just come together and, and help. Like, I'm just amazed. I mean, I, I had a woman in my practice who um, I think it was like day four or five postpartum. She had appendicitis and she needed to have an appendectomy. She had to have her appendix taken out. And um, oh, my gosh, all I needed to do was send an email to all these moms in my mom group and that woman had donor breast milk mm-hmm. and like everybody, like she didn't even know the help that she was getting. We're giving, you know, meals and um, child care for the older, for the other baby. And uh, she had a toddler and, and the baby because she wasn't allowed a nurse when she was in the hospital. So she oh. had to pump and dump. So, so she... Th- it was just amazing that all these women from all over the place, you know, uh, in my locality all came together and helped this, this woman. Well, and that's what I love about what you're doing about, you know, the home sweet home birth that you have on Facebook about even the Instagram account, just looking at, at pictures of other mothers and other families. It, it really does bring a sense of community back. And I feel like that's so important. Thank you. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do on the pages. You know, just just um, this is a community here. You know, you can disagree. I don't care. Discussions and respect. Keep them respectful and kind. But this is I want, I, you know, as much as it is online, we can still have a sense of, you know, community. Yes. Well, and on that note, Anne, and in closing, would you mind telling the listeners where they can find out more about you? So my website is home sweet home birth b i r t h dot com. On Instagram, it's home sweet home birth, and Facebook, it's home sweet home birth. And the website, like you know, it's just my work has has been very local for so long, um, almost twenty three years now. But it's gone really global. So so the home sweet home. Um, a woman who needs to be in the hospital or wants to be in the hospital can still have that kind of care, kind of bring the home birth to the hospital. Mm. Absolutely. And can, and if she needs to have a, says it, look, my C-section rates 5%, but those 5% are still human beings and they can still have a gentle cesarean. They can still have a family centered cesarean. That's still a birth. And, and, you know, we can as much as possible approximate uh, the beauty and the, and the, the humaneness and of, 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 of it all in the operating room, you know, so it's not just for home birth families, although, you know, although that's been my practice for, for 20, you know, 20, what did I say? 1997. We're, we're almost in two. <laughs> almost year is it? I started in 1997. So mm. in, in, in November of 1997. So that's how long, um, 
I've been yeah. doing, I've, I've been attending home births, but I, I also, you know, it's sort of birthed, like I said, this online consulting. So people who want to have a home birth like experience in a hospital, if they need to be or want to be or can't, you know, don't have the option, the home birth option in their locality. But I really think this, you know, I have a different feeling about social media. I think, you know, we can use it to impact and affect um, huge positive change, you know, and I think the change comes from empowering the women and their families to speak up. You can't change hospitals and doctors and nurses, like, uh, you know, uh, like, but when you have a passionate, educated mom, <laughs> she's gonna, you know, I'll end with, uh, so, so this woman, uh, this is an amazing story. I don't know if, if you saw it on my, um, on my, on my site, but, uh, there's a woman who took my online course. So I have, uh, it's a whole, the, uh, the, the online course was developed actually out of a podcast because this um, doula who was interviewing me out in San Francisco, she was like, um, do you have a course <laughs> on how you bring women through your practice? You know, so no. And she says, well, I'd like to film you making that. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's in film and marketing and, and her sister's in editing. And, and we hit it off. And I actually literally took her up on it. We went out. I went out to San Francisco and really filmed how I... You know, I, I, it's, it's very, or, you know, it's more organized, but, you know, how can they, the, the families have the most holistically healthy, beautiful journey from pregnancy through birth and postpartum and, and breastfeeding um, and baby care? Um, and so, so um, and love the experience, even if it's, you know, of course, if it's challenging and, and, um, and a woman sent me an incredible testimonial. She was in, she was stationed in Central America um, to have, her husband was for work and the only obstetrician, they lived in a very rural area. The only obstetrician that was available to her um, did cesareans. Like his, his cesarean rate was like 90 something percent. Oh, um, the ones that were born vaginally, like gave birth in the car on the way or something like that, you know, or by accident in the house. But basically he, he, he did not support vaginal birth, let alone natural birth. But she took my course and very respectfully, you know, said to him, you know, you know, she was empowered with knowledge and that she had a voice now, you know, and she spoke up and she said, I want to have, you know, this is, you're my obstetrician. I want to have a natural birth. And he first balked and said, no, (laughs) but she says, you know, she presented him with good information and, um, he agreed. And so just think, not only did she have a beautiful natural birth, she had a beautiful experience, but Just think of the ripple effect of how that would affect that doctor with other women that he takes care of. Because he had really not, he says he's never seen a birth without any intervention. He didn't believe in it. But (laughs) she she taught him. That's incredible. That's an empowered, passionate woman who's pregnant, who wants to have an experience and had no other options. Wow. That is so amazing. And I definitely will be looking into your childbirth program as I 
have my next. I would love to just experience to go through what, what you teach. Well, Anne, you are such a wealth of information. I hope that you will be willing to come back on and and talk more about, you know, you've, you mentioned birth trauma and your postpartum work. I just would love to hear from you again. And I'm so grateful that you were able to come on today. And I know that the listeners are just going to love this. So thank you so much. A pleasure. Oh, all righty. Well, thanks, Anne. All right. 